Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George. And he's quitting. <laughs> we just watched a movie called Manhunter from 1986. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that it might have felt a little bit familiar to you. Not at all, actually. <laughs> the thing that I think gives it away is right at the beginning of the movie during the opening credits. Produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Did you catch that? No. It's the same guy that produced Red Dragon. Did you catch the based on a novel called Red Dragon <laughs> in the opening credits? Yeah, that's, no. let's, <laughs> let's narrow this down. I didn't, I didn't need to. Travis right. and I had a little, uh, not a bet necessarily, but we were interested to see at what point in watching the movie Manhunter, did you realize, holy crap, this is Red Dragon again. So, George, how are you doing, uh, my man? I can tell you exactly the moment. Tell me the moment you realized the, you were watching the same movie as last week. The very first scene mm. when the dude's like, oh, come back and just do this case. And he's like... Well, uh, it's, al- it's almost exactly how they said it, too. <laughs> yeah, and he's like... He's like, ah, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, oh my God, is this Red Dragon again for real? (laughs) And then he's like talking to his wife and I'm like, what, did it really say Red Dragon in the- uh, The very beginning. Yeah, in the opening credits, it says based on the novel Red Dragon by Thomas Harris. Was it before the actual movie started? Yeah, like like during the opening credits. It was was after the quick intro, the woman waking up. Oh, the really scary intro, guys. Before we we even talk about the fact that we just watched the same movie two weeks in a row, the (laughs) opening of this movie, significantly scarier than anything in Red Dragon. Like actual scary movie stuff. Really good. If you say so. Um, Yeah, so I didn't, I I guess I wasn't paying attention to the the credits. We knew you wouldn't. I wasn't paying attention to the credits, I think probably because I didn't want whatever it was that I was supposed to be surprised about to be spoiled by the credits. Mm. Like, you know, uh, when we watched uh, First Blood, like, and I saw Sylvester Stallone, I'm like, oh, okay. And you already were set up to know what you were going to watch. Yeah. Right? And so, Arnold like, Schwarzenegger so I think I just, I just, I just <laughs> ignored it, like all the credits and, and such. And, I, yeah, it was like the very like the first thirty seconds of dialogue. I was like, "Is this really Red Dragon again?" For it's real, it's amazing. <laughs> so we watched it last night, my <laughs> wife and I, and we've watched. I think I've watched it with her twice now. I've seen it probably four or five times over the years. Uh, I rented this back from Blockbuster before Red Dragon came out. Like I, I've had a long relationship with this movie, uh, mm-hmm. and we were both like riveted the whole time and thought it was friggin' awesome. So. There's a certain amount of like we set you up for failure by showing you a movie you'd seen before and then making you watch the same movie but older and with some mm-hmm. really questionable 80s aesthetics here and there. Yeah. The opening green font. Some? Where it says Manhunter and it's all glowy. Uh-huh. It's hard for me to take that seriously. But uh, yeah. did you catch who directed the movie? Uh, That's what blew me away. No. He's a guy named Michael Mann. Have you ever heard of Michael Mann? Yes, I have. Do you remember the movie that we watched a couple of weeks ago from him? No. It had the same Tom Noonan, the guy that plays Red Dragon, uh, Mr. Mr. D. 
uh-huh. was actually in the movie that we watched a couple of weeks ago as a minor role. Dollar Hyde was? Yeah. Wait, was he? Yeah. I don't remember him in that. Yeah, he's in there. Um, he's in Heat. All right, he- George, Heat. He- you remember Heat? Okay. This yes, is, I remember Heat. Same yes. director as Heat. Director as Heat. Really? That. Yeah. This might be his first movie. <laughs> no, he. Oof. this is like his fourth or fifth movie. It's early in the run for Michael Mann. <laughs> Uh, Mike, your, your Mike, your first movie. Whoa. <laughs> you guys don't even know. This uh, guys, <laughs> This is I a superior do. film. This is better than Red Dragon. Absolutely not. No. Oh, my gosh. No it is way. so Stop much it. better than Red Dragon. Absolutely hey, not. Explain to me how. Because I, I like Red Dragon, but I know it has its flaws. This movie is hot garbage. <laughs> oh, this man. movie is, 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 reminds me of a lot of the movies that I snuck down to watch when my parents went to bed and and when it was over going there was not even any nudity it wasn't even <laughs> worth my time not even one yeah. side boob it was like total <laughs> 80s nothing the 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 music was uh the music uh, the is act- amazing the, the uh, acting is bad right from the <laughs> beginning had, you hear that had, like sense pad music and then you hear the boom boom like no, that's Phil fine. Collins drums with the reverb and the delay, you know, the 80s, like, oh man. Yeah. It's that of a time. It's, it's the music, to, like the climactic music and then obviously the, you know, the, the music that they bought that was like recognizable. It just was. There crazy. is music know. in this movie that is going to be the crux of one of the reasons I now love this movie more now than I did two days ago. I came to a conclusion last night watching this movie again. Like I I had a moment of clarity and realized, oh my God, my crazy idea is actually supported within the text. Guys, it's not a windy theory. It actually is in the movie. Uh, And we'll get to that in a little bit, but I'm going to tease you a little bit. Get those listeners excited because they know they have to slog through YouTube crapping on a movie that's real good. So there's light at the end of the tunnel, guys. Terrible, terrible movie. It had its moments. No, it didn't. Do you know why this movie is better than Red Dragon the movie? It is not. Because the main character is the guy with the actual arc. I feel like Red Dragon too hard pushes Hannibal Lecter as the focus at the beginning. And he shouldn't be the focus. This isn't his story. Ray Ray Fine is way better than Tom Noonan. Although Tom Noonan is Michael Myers without his mask, which is yeah. kind of cool. No, did you um, catch? Actually, this is a hat tip to my wife, who a is shot of wonderful. Six dives. The uh, <laughs> the ID picture times. from the Missouri Department of uh, Revenue when yeah. they printed off. Did you catch that he looks just like a Michael Myers mask? Yeah. Well, like, I pictured even his movements, like when yeah. he was uh, stalking her in her like at the end when he's stalking the the blind girl, his girlfriend. Uh, in the house, and he's like kind of lumbering like Frankenstein around the house. Gosh, that like, one oh, scene, he's... he's standing in front of the, the weird like space painting, and his posture is so weird in his head. I'm yeah. doing it now, but you can't see me. Like his head stretches way out in front of his shoulders, and he looks like a yeah a monster. Like this yeah, isn't your pro wrestler WWE going to cut a promo on a motherfucker before he kills him, right? This is like a much more like... I could really imagine a person like this being alive and killing people. 
Like this guy this, seems like legitimately threatening. He reminded me of like the introduction when like when I was a kid and I heard those bells for the first time and the undertaker came and he took 10 minutes to walk to the ring and he didn't say a word. Well, and that's and just because Undertaker the was doing Michael Myers. And right. this guy's but also it, doing Michael Myers. Exactly. But, but once he started talking, I'm like, wait, all the mis- mystery's gone. But anyway, I, I just find the Ray Fiennes guy, I find him to be too like manicured to be like a comic book supervillain. And the the dollar height of this movie, I find him to be much more... I mean, you're not wrong that he's got some Michael Myers-y tendencies, but it's like... Michael Myers in the first Halloween is scarier than Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween, you know? Right. And it's, and it doesn't have to do with the size necessarily. It's just how well he uses it. It's behavior. It's just like, uh, you know, if we ever get to the movie Predator, like you can make 10, 15, 20 Predator movies and you're never going to get an actor that could embody the movements that Kevin Peter Hall did. His ability to not be a human being in a suit, but actually figure out a way to move his body to where you're like, I'm buying it, hook, line, and sinker. Now, that's- if he made a like a, a home video of himself acting as like Bigfoot, mm-hmm. you would believe it. He has. Because he's, he's that good at it. Right. You know? He played Bigfoot, and he was very good at it. Yeah, there you go. He was in Harry and Henderson. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, this guy, I think uh, Tom Noonan actually made a career playing. He was kind of a, not a creature actor, but he definitely was a physical presence. Okay, so um, Francis Dollarhide in this movie, um, one-dimensional. Yeah, there definitely is more acting and character very, levels very in the second Very straightforward. Well, it's not there's his story. Nothing, there's nothing complex about him. And I think that I've, there's You're probably... Talking about it's not his story. It's absolutely I, his story. I agree this story is about Will Graham, but it's like you still have to give Will Graham a balanced character to go against. And it, obviously in this movie, it's not Hannibal Lecter because the Hannibal Lecter in this movie is terrible. Oh, my God. But, See, uh, now, I like the Hannibal Lecter in this movie, and I, I really? understand if you've only seen this, if this is the first time you've watched this or you haven't watched in a long time, you know, what Anthony Hopkins does with the character is remarkable and great. Like, but I'm not even comparing him to that. I'm just comparing it to... It, to me, my biggest problem with this movie was it reminded me of going to see a stage play and seeing people deliver lines. And half the people never sat down to think, okay, here I could inflect the line. Here I could take a word and give it a lot of gravity. They just read lines. And I felt a lot of the this movie relies on the dialogue banter, you know, the volley, as we call it. And if the volley is, is there's no emphasis behind the volley and it's just reading lines back and forth or even saying lines that you've learned and memorized, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, so it when sounds you're... just like Ed Norton and Red Dragon. Yeah, but here's this an, whole here's movie a note was... of mine. I'm really not enjoying the dialogue, which is good because it's not like this entire movie is dialogue. <laughs> right. Like, it's nonstop. It has to be riveting. If it's not riveting, it just sounds like two people talking oh on a train. Oh my god! And you want to jump off that train? <laughs> I wanted to shoot myself yeah. in the face. 
And I love Dennis Farina, but he's no Jack Crawford. Dennis Farina is is one of my favorite. Goombas. He was one of the better. Um, no, actors. he's good in this, but after you see Scott Glenn play Crawford, he he brings a class to that from Silence. Like mm-hmm. there's just a there's a level of. Um, now I don't know if this is a lower ranking Crawford than in yeah. Silence, but. The he Crawford, did a lot of growing. The Crawford in Silence was kind of he had this combination of like aloofness and um He's kind of on an ivory tower in that movie. Yeah, yeah he's he has got like this a class to him. But but it's 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 I don't want to say like aloofness like he's like rude or something like it's you know like it's like you don't like it's it. Like a conceit. He's he's above he's, you. He's up there, but right. he's so competent that he's up there for a reason. Reason, right? You know, so like he doesn't get into the nitty gritty because he's got way bigger fish to right. fry. Is the feeling I get from Jack and Crawford? This Jack Crawford, it sounds like a beat cop from from Brooklyn. Yeah, like, it's just like he's like every cop you hear in an eighties movie, and and I'm, I expected him. You expected them to have more. made this movie later than the eighties. <laughs> I mean, no, but I expected somebody who's part of the FBI and is a is a decorated, you know, agent. Yeah, like is every better. FBI agent like? Uh, I don't know. He he sounds like if Joe Pesci was running the FBI. Yeah, like and to me, and I love again, I love Dennis Farina. If we ever watch Get Shorty, I will be a happy person because he's phenomenal in Get Shorty, but. And he he plays one of the best characters ever in that movie, but to me he just did not fit the Jack Crawford part. I I don't know, but then again it could be a ranking thing. This is like ten years prior. I feel like I could silence. go I could go character by character and explain why Red Dragon's version of that character is better. Hmm. I do like this Will Graham better because I agree with with Dan. It does give him a lot more depth. But the guy, the guy playing him has no chops. He he kind of gained some chops later on when he was in CSI TV show. It, I think if the if the CSI William do Peterson you, do, was do you mean was in this movie, the way he was written in this movie, no, the way he it was acted. more depth. Okay, the way no, the way he was act- written, he definitely has more more depth. Maybe it's delivery because I don't think the director and or uh, oh my god, his name just flew out of my head. You know who would make a really, really that? shitty Will Graham? Who would play a really shitty one? Yeah. A lot of people. Nick Cage. Oh god. <laughs> he would be the worst Will Graham. Probably. Although you would definitely but, see that turmoil. <laughs> but his, no, this is, the, the, the Will Graham in this movie is a Nick Cage character. It's yeah, a perfect like, role for Nick Cage. He's off the handle. And he's talking to himself. Talking he's to figuring himself. stuff out, like yeah. like National Treasure Two. Yeah. Like, dude, I can't get Nick Cage out of my head. I think when he's going through when he's like <laughs> going through the case file and recording himself. Yeah. And he's like asking questions about the case file as he's reading it. And then he's I'm talking. Like, to oh the my killer. god! All I can see is Nick fucking Cage. <laughs> get this off my TV. I'm pretty, pretty sure most of the same this. monologue dialogue is in Red Dragon. I know a lot of yeah. the actual. Inner, inner character dialogue is it the is. same in Red Dragon. It is a lot of it. A lot of it is the same, but it. You're right, and it's delivered, and in 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 places that make so much more sense. 
in Red Dragon. I, I look at the casting. Like, when you watch a movie written by Aaron Sorkin, like we've discussed a few good men, Aaron Sorkin is like American Shakespeare. When you, he just, he, he's almost like Eminem. Like he takes entire paragraphs and wraps them around each other. And they're just like beautiful to hear. Like the, the guy who's walking the prisoners to their jail cell are just as well written as the judge. And the judge is just as well written as the main character. Like everybody in the play and or movie or TV show that Aaron Sorkin writes, they all have enough to play with no matter what part they are, even if they're, you know, attendant seven, they're, they're figuring something out for that character to do where you're, and the person casted does it. And you're like, wow. Yeah. That guy who was carrying the bag was awesome. But (laughs) (laughs) when you have a movie like this, it's like, it's, it's written that way. So much depth to that character. It has a, there's a lot of dialogue. And if you're, if your actors that you choose are not up to the task to make every line interesting, then it just sounds like, somebody talking and there's nothing behind it and like you said the whole movie is just talking you do want to jump off the bridge because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> oh my god they don't stop talking it's almost like if you hear like I just experienced this in the movie theater people for some reason in a movie theater decide that they're going to chew popcorn like they've never eaten food before mm-hmm. and there's that one guy who takes one popcorn at a time and he throws it in his mouth and then he goes <laughs> There was the next one. Well, after 10 minutes of that, you want to kill yourself. And that's how I felt about this, the dialogue in this movie. Like, I was just like, oh my God, they, they're talking and they won't stop talking, but they're not good at it. And it drove me insane. And I wanted to love it because I like the world that exists. But I felt it was just the acting was All right, so, so let me let me give you a let me give you a for instance of the dialogue. There's a lot. This isn't the only example. There's a lot of this going on. Do you know the line when what's her name? The blind girl Reba. Reba. Okay. Reba. Yeah, Joan Allen. When Reba asks, "Can I touch your face?" I want to know if you're smiling or not. Mm. Right. In this movie, in Manhunter, it's like the first interaction between these two characters. Right. Right? And it's like a minute into their dialogue. In Red Dragon, they establish a relationship between the two characters. It might be a romantic one. You know, it it might go there. She delivers that line, can I touch your face, way later in their char- their two characters' relationship and at a point where it is appropriate for her to not know what his expression is. Right. It's like a... And, and they're close enough to where, you know, she obviously she knows that he's got, you know, issues with his palate or whatever. Right. right. And she knows that he's self-conscious about it because he's made that known to her already. I'm talking about in Red Dragon. So when she says, can I touch your face? It means so much more in Red Dragon than it does here. Yeah, there's not much of a relationship built in this. It's almost like she's captive. Yeah, when when Will Graham says to Lecter, because you're crazy, Mm -hmm. in this movie, that was the first explanation as to why 
as to what the disadvantages were. Right. Right. Or you're in, insane. In right. yeah, insane. In Red Dragon, Ed Norton was was dancing around that conversation. Was getting through that conversation as best he could without revealing for a long time before it got to that. And when it got to that, it was malicious. Right. Like, and that's because of Anthony Hopkins, because this movie was not built around Lecter and that red dragon was right. So that's where, that's where Dan's talking about, like him being more important in red dragon than he is in this movie. I, I don't see the problem with Lecter having a bigger role here. It, it, in this movie, Lecter could have not even been there. Right. The only, th- the only thing that Lecter did in this movie was give the Tooth Fairy the home address. Right. And that was quickly rectified, as it was in Red Dragon. But in Red Dragon, you know, Lecter was like was like toying with them through the whole movie. And, you know, obviously Will Graham needs Lecter because Will Graham needs to get into that mindset again. And, you know, it's just so much better, dude. Well, you have to measure your expectations a little bit because the way that you've come into this world is through the original Red Dragon with the modifications to what they did in Manhunter and then with Silence of the Lambs, which is an Oscar-winning, all-time great film. So when you go back and look at the earlier kind of prototypical version of the character, your initial reaction may be, ugh, this isn't as good. And it's like, well, yeah, when you have 25 years of work to add to a character... Dude, during but that's not even my issue with Red it. Dragon. Like, dude, Red Dragon. Lecter's like you looked, but you didn't see. You were looking, right, but you like saw Dan's it, saying, but you're you didn't you're see getting you like an established thing, character, and then you have the the you know the dude the the scene with the the reporter and Dollar Hyde. Mm-hmm. Just oh man, the, just the way, way Red the way yeah. it happened in well, Red Dragon. Like, and you're was, dealing with a. You're dealing with a an actor in in Red Dragon that's way better than the actor in this, but the reporter. Well, I feel like I feel like Dollarhide had the in in Red Dragon had the his his mission was clear his you know his his when he presented his Red Dragonness to the reporter, like it was here is this person do you see blah 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 do you see Blah blah blah. Like, mm-hmm. it's it, it. It was so much so. Just, the the their directing was so much better. The writing was so much better. The acting was so much better. I don't see how this movie holds a candle to Red Dragon. And it, you can't even say that like this is like oh this is like what Red Dragon came from because it's not. They they come from the same book, right? right. It's just so a like retelling the book, of a story. So the book existed. Different. So we could have had Red Dragon without this movie. Mm-hmm. Totally. So this this movie is worthless. But I don't know if you get... The, you're definitely going to get Silence of the Lambs without this movie. I don't know that you... You might not. I don't, don't know, know that you are, because the book itself came out pretty soon 
around the movie. I don't have the the timeline in front of me, but right. the success of this movie helps you get Silence of the Lambs, the book and the movie. My complaints about this movie are more or less just technique. Like that that scene when when Graham goes to visit Lecter. It's not obviously it's not as built up as the Silence introduction of Lecter because they spend the 10 minutes explaining all the shit that he did before you see him. And then you finally see him and you're like, oh my God, it looks like my uncle. Like <laughs> this guy chewed somebody's face off. It, 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 the payoff is good. With this, it was very nonchalant. I got to go see Lecter. And then two seconds later, he's seeing Lecter. And the delivery, the volley between them two never changed from that nonchalance. Like it was, there was no tension there. Until he calls him insane, and even then, it wasn't drawn out of him. He just said it. You're yeah. insane. And to me, as an actor, slash hopefully ever a director, I would have definitely told both of them, you gotta pull these lines from do, each they other. They don't have that in them. I think Brian actor- Cox does. I mean, I've seen Brian Cox. The thing do some that George stuff. doesn't I don't know, know but... you know Brian Cox from the. He's the father of Samara in the Ring. He electrocutes himself in a bathtub with a bunch of power strips. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but he doesn't yeah. even show his range there either. He is a, a theater actor who, at times, has like traded off performance roles with Anthony Hopkins. Like Hopkins will go mm-hmm. to a movie, so uh, Brian Cox will step in, and then Cox will finish his run, and Hopkins will come back, and they'll. I mean, they're they're. A, Nearly the same tier of actor. Now, whether you were feeling this Hannibal Lecter versus, you know, what Hopkins eventually does with the character. Every Hannibal Lecter I've ever seen is better than this one. Well, I've only seen two Hannibal Lecters. For me, I, both I, of them were better I'm, than this. I'm not even comparing it to Hopkins. I'm comparing it as a character that someone's playing. Now, Brian Cox doesn't have any reference, frame of reference, of how it should be played. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new character from a book, and that's it. That's his reference. Read the book. Is there any description in there about his the way he speaks, how he looks, whatever, other just than that? Like, just his cell. Just do your thing. Just his cell. Right. Like, in in Red Dragon, and obviously this was, the, the, the cell was set up before Red Dragon. The cell was set up in, in uh, silence. But the cell, you have... You know, you walk down the hallway and you have this animal, that animal, this animal, and then Lecter. Right. And in Lecter's cell, he has what you would normally see in a jail cell, a toilet, and a bed. Well, he didn't look like anything special. And books. Right. And art. And, like, this is an an extremely intelligent, cultured man that is in a cell. What would, like, how do you I, play that? I don't. I don't think they went into that. And, and it's I not think... Lecter's fault that he was in a white cell, right? Wearing a white suit, and that's it. But if you notice in this movie, they're not going for this grandiose, super cultured Frazier with a machete type guy. He's just a murderer. He's. They don't even really talk about him being a cannibal, probably because they're stripping out the more extreme but elements. He didn't even play it like a doctor. It, he for me, Brian Cox suffered from the same thing that Dennis Farina did. They didn't look at the character and say, okay, this man's in very, like you said, extremely intelligent, cultured. Yes. Uh, and 
he's also he uses this charm to also be a serial killer and has chewed people's face. Like there's a lot there to play with. Don't play it like you're Joe Bob just got arrested for DUI. Like he didn't play it any differently than anybody would play it like you would see on the show Cops. Like it was there was nothing special well, about that's, his exactly. that's character what, development uh, yeah. or his his character study. On purpose. That's what they Same meant to do. Same thing with Farina. Farina should have said, okay, this guy, he's, he's in this position. He's this and that. I'm going to drop the accent. I'm going to speak a little bit more with class. And I'm going to tr- I'm going to talk like I, I'm at a diner in Brooklyn. People accents can't have class? Yeah, that seems no, kind of racist. No, I'm not saying <laughs> You're not saying that. No. no I'm I, know saying you, I know you're not saying that. That city I'm just accent, like that that New York, you know, if you want a guy, you want to play a guy, you just got some class. You know, you're not going to talk like this. You're gonna or, act like maybe he yeah, went to Harvard. Maybe he had a little bit less street, a little bit more are schooling. Talking, are you talking about the cop? No. Or are you talking about talk about the character? The thing that you guys are expressing, your concern with the way they present Lecter in this movie, your own bias from the later movies is informing no. your read of this character. Because what you're no, expecting, I'm not talking about Lecter as a as a representation of a character. I'm just saying the 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 actor. Did not do anything special to make him special. But maybe he wasn't supposed actor... to be special. That's the t- thing I'm trying to get across to you guys. This is a more grounded movie in an era of Freddy Krueger and Jason part where it's six by now. So he's a zombie, right? The market for American movies with murderous people has gone a little bit off the deep end. And this is a movie that very much like the Sansa Lambs is a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is very much existing in the mid-80s and going for a modern, stylistic, grounded approach to how they would treat a serial killer character. And so what you're getting in both Dollar Hyde and in Lecter is this like super grounded, let's strip off all the kind of, some would say fancy, some would say ridiculous, uh, eccentricities of these characters. And instead... Let's give them like as little cartoonish nature as possible while building Will Graham as a very grounded, kind of introspective, not clairvoyant, just kind of emotionally damaged detective guy. So, yeah, they're not going to go with these big over the top gestures. I mean, Brian Cox can do. Closer, please. Doesn't have to do that. Right? Listen but that's over the top. Can, it, can we agree I, that that's a little over the top? Like, it, it works because that movie works. And he's the scariest the monster top. at the... It's not over the top because he establishes why he does that. So it becomes part of the character. What I'm saying but with this theatrical. is... It's theatrical because Hannibal Lecter is theatrical. The Hannibal Lecter that you expect is theatrical. It's how he's written. The no, Hannibal Lecter written. in this movie is written to be non-theatrical. Dan, how many plays have you been in? <laughs> I've been in like three. How many acting jobs have you ever done? Uh, three acting in school. Okay, so when you see a writing on the page, it's written a certain way. And then you look at those words and you say, okay, these are the things I'm going to emphasize. These are things I'm not. These are things that are going to make my character... Uh, stand out or whatever it is you're going to do you're saying that the director and the creators of this movie said we're going to not have a jason not have a hannibal lecter that's going to come in 10 years or we're just going to play him like he could bag groceries at at Shoprite, and that's it i'm and saying me, that they're going to play 
these guys close to the vest. But that's not them. how they're written. Well, it's how I'm they're... saying they're written a certain way and the actors aren't delivering the lines as they're written. There's nothing there. Oh, so they're just delivering it the lines. It really has nothing to do with being grand. He doesn't have to go, hello, Graham. He doesn't have to do stupid <laughs> shit like that. But he has to actually act. It's charming when Anthony Hopkins does it. I wouldn't call it stupid shit like no, that when he does it. It's stupid shit if it's not done right and it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, just think about it. Like there was an exchange between Ed Norton and um Anthony Hopkins about the file, right? When Anthony Hopkins played it, it was it's the same dialogue. It's the exact same dialogue almost. When <clears throat> they when they're talking about the deal that they're about to make mm-hmm. with, you know, oh yeah, I'll help you with the case. And um and Hopkins says if I can keep the pictures. Right? Right. And and he says, you know, he says no. Right? It's almost the exact same thing here, but when when Hopkins says it, you know that that is it's just it's fucked up. Yeah. He wants to keep the pictures because he's he enjoys it. Exactly. Right? And in here it's like, you know, so the picture's a picture. Like it's just like okay, like you what, didn't, what are you? Yeah, <laughs> what are you like? That's my issue. Uh, like you have the line, and then he, you know, and then he's like, no, no deal, and he's like, and he's like ready to walk off, and like you know, like the whole, you know, the whole walking away, and Lecter kind of saying, no, 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 come back, like, you know, like you, like that whole deal that happens, dude. In this movie was just so like. It's monotone. There's nothing. It's bland. There's nothing there. And that's what that's where I had issues because that's one of the first scenes. Like that discussion on the beach. Like Lecter's is where I was like an, Lecter's just an animal. But even like, before they eh. introduce him, like the the dialogue between Graham and and Crawford on the beach was mm-hmm. like boring. And then he talks to his wife, and she's fucking boring. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> every character. And then he's boring. like, oh uh, yeah, I'm going to see Lecter. Okay. Well, I only think that's awesome because I know who he is. Yeah. So they're not playing it, which he's right. They're playing it close to their vest. He's just going to see Lecter. But you already know through, uh, I think it's mentioned, Crawford mentions that Lecter. Lecter tried to kill him. Right. So you know there's history there. But when they see each other, you wouldn't even know it. Even though the words are there. Mm-hmm. The words are there. Mm-hmm. They're not playing it that way. So that's what I'm talking about. It's not, if, if, if I almost killed you and you caught me because I'm insane, I know, I'm, I know you caught me because I'm insane, but I want you to say it. I'm going to make you say it, and I'm going to do it with my words. I'm going to manipulate you, which is what that character has written. Hannibal Lecter is a manipulator. It's written that way in the book, mm-hmm. not in the script, not by the director. That character is written that way. So if you do your research, you know He's a master manipulator. He's already manipulated Graham and almost killed him. That has to come through. He manipulated Graham for a long time. So it's like, even if you're talking about coffee, do you want a cup of coffee? I'm going to get you a cup of coffee. You want a cup of coffee? If you say, you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, I'll take a cup of coffee. Do you want sugar in it? How many cubes? There's no no history there. But if you take those same lines and say, like you're talking about a file, if when he says, "Do I get to keep the pictures?" He doesn't have to say, 
I'd like to keep the pictures. He doesn't have to do the lector bullshit. He could just say straight up, do I get to keep the pictures? You're hearing that and you're going, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. As Dan always does, ugh. Like, there's no ugh there. It's like, it looks like two mechanics talking about the car they're going to There's all, There's a hundred ways that you can yes. that you can deliver that. It's like, here, I have this file. It's like, is it mine to keep? No, it's not. Then no. Then I don't want it. And it's like, all right, fine. Just just the pictures. You know? Like, mm-hmm. that would have been a fine way to establish that I want to do some freaky, fucked up shit. Right. With Pri- the pictures. I don't want to just do this to help you. I want to do it for me, and I get my jollies off of that. Prime example. The end of that scene, when he calls him insane, then he gets up and leaves because he doesn't want to be analyzed. He doesn't want to be picked at. Mm-hmm. He's avoiding the comeback. He's like, I gave him a dig. You're insane. That's why you're, you're in here, and I'm not. He knows that Lecter's going to flip it on him and say, but you caught me because you're fucking insane too. <laughs> like right. That's what he, he knows is going to say. But it never gets to that. There's no... No, he says as he's leaving, we're the same. And it's a right. dramatic, but like, out the door, door slam dynamic kind of thing. But it's very, like you said, it's very close to the vest, very undertoned, not really... There's, nothing, there's no gravitas behind some of these lines that, yes, are over the top in a Silence of the Lambs. But even when he's subtle in Silence of the Lambs, I don't want to compare the two. I don't want to compare Hopkins to Cox. I'm trying to take a single character that two actors interpreted. That's how I'm reading it. I'm not reading it as two actors. And well, and I think that you've both hung up on the fact that Michael Mann at this point is not focused on Oscar-worthy dialogue. It's just not a feature of this movie. Instead, what you have is a very matter-of-fact, almost conversational delivery between a lot of characters reading words on a page while the camera is painting pictures from every angle. And I don't know, you guys haven't mentioned the cinematography at all. It's terrible. It was super stylized. Every picture... It's terrible. There there were seams in in the shots that didn't need to be there. If you look... Did they edit that on purpose, Dan? I, that, like where it gets like jumpy at the yeah, end? Yeah, there's stuff? a couple of... And there's a, a really <clears throat> interesting frames. one where he's sitting... And, and I think it's meant to like jar you a little bit. He's sitting there watching the video in the hotel room early on in the movie, and he's sitting still, and it jerks. Jumps. Just a little... And I think it's supposed to just make you uneasy because you're like, oh, was I... Is something... Something wrong with the can? Did we? No, I think the actor couldn't deliver a thirty-second dialogue in one take. No, I think no, it's that... it's it's intentional there because there's two or three they're spread throughout the movie and they're sparing. It's not a consistent thing. It reminds okay, me of so, a, of a real change okay, when you watch a film. So when yeah, so the scene when there's a beautiful shot down a hallway of a white door, right, and the camera comes. All the way up from the from the end of the hall, all the way up to the white door, and then you get a little jump, and then the lock turns, and in walks Graham and what I think is a real estate agent. That was done purposely to make you uneasy. That or one was might that supposed was that supposed to be a shot that was in the director's head that this shot is going to be beautiful and wonderful and blah 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 and was completely ruined by a stupid seam that they couldn't even fucking get right. 
because I interpreted it as the latter. Yeah, and I think it's because you came into this movie ready to hate it, and that's fine. Uh, nope. I came nope, into this nope, movie. Nope, 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 nope. The two of us, be, uh, wife and I, watched this movie, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it from the beginning to the end. Um, so, I mean, there there is the ability out there for, for people to enjoy this movie. It is terrible. Um, there are people that probably will enjoy this movie, but it's not me. And that's okay. <laughs> terrible. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Because somehow I, I, you both made it through the cell without wanting to kill yourself. So we obviously have different perspectives on what makes th- a watchable this is movie. Way, this is nowhere near as good as that movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not even close. And, and aesthetically, and the cell, visually, the cell had its issues. The cell had its issues. It had its issues, it had but its issues. visually and and this oof. creatively, it was way more on point. This movie just when I think of a movie that's dialogue heavy, I think of acting. Shame on me. Yeah, shame and, on me too. And if it's dialogue <laughs> heavy, it's just like if you're watching a kung fu movie, you're going to be like, "Okay, I hope the fighting's good." Cuz you're not really going to care about the <laughs> it's acting. Like, it's yeah, like Yeah, it's a kung fu movie, but like, I mean, you know, the fighting is I'm pretty great, sure the last but... time we watched a martial arts heavy movie, it wasn't the fighting that you guys wanted to talk about. No, the fighting sucked in that movie too. <laughs> but <laughs> everything sucked in that movie. <laughs> that movie was bad. But it was I enjoyed the creativity of the company that found the footage and what they did with it. But yeah, that movie was it was no enter to the dragon. Let's put it that and way. And I didn't watch the documentary, so that went over my head too. I I like them. I I don't know. I I think that it's going to be difficult to make this movie be the thing you want it to be. Uh, and I think that it's obvious that Sansa Lambs escalates the character quite a bit and gets but us. You didn't a, take him out of it. I was already at this conclusion before they even went to see him well and that's that's the thing is this movie i mean in all the hannibal Lecter character in this movie is intentionally not as important as he is in red dragon and i think that's one thing that kind of bugs me about red dragon is it just feels like we're affirming what we already knew from silence instead of focusing on delivering the will graham story like it takes it out of will and it puts it into bad because they don't care about Lecter is that I think that what you're looking for between the characters is this grandiose like confrontation between the great Will Graham and the amazing Hannibal Lecter and instead this show is trying to keep him to be an errand and that's it no and I agree that that's the whole purpose of this movie because uh Dollar Dollar Hyde is the main serial killer in this movie I mean I hate to break it to you guys but Hannibal Lecter is a cannibal whose name rhymes with the yeah, fact rather. that he's a cannibal. Like, I really like where this character has gone up through. Well, I like the first two books, and I, I, I like the movie Hannibal more than I like the book because the book is garbage. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, if you were Michael Mann and you were trying to make this book in particular, into a movie that people will take seriously in 1986. You have to downplay the fact that he's a guy named Hannibal who's also a cannibal. And if you notice, the way that he, they describe his crimes, they make him sound violent and dangerous at the beginning. But then later on, they kind of downplay it in the script. Oh, he's cutting up college girls, right? Like, suddenly his crimes are changed a little bit in how they present them to be more kind of 1980s slasher movie and less like eating lips off of people with beans and stuff. Like this movie is very intentionally trying to fit a 
cartoonish character into a mold that maybe it doesn't fit in. Uh, and it's okay if you think it's unsuccessful for that reason, because it is obviously not the direction they went with the franchise from here on out, right? Like they definitely learn from how this movie does and doesn't work with these characters. But I think it's, I think George, I don't know that you've separated yourself enough from the movie Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs and the TV show Hannibal to be able to look and see like, this is an intentional move that it didn't work, but it's that doesn't mean it's not interesting and worthy of looking at. But what doesn't make sense about that is it, it, the fact that they don't even mention he's a cannibal because they're trying to downplay it because his name rhymes with it and it's silly, which it is. It's very silly. But that has nothing to do with the issue with the character. The issue with the character is that he he doesn't, Deliver the lines to where on a on a level that is puts him where he's supposed to be. Yeah, he doesn't have to be the status that he's at in Silence of the Lambs, but he's still important enough for Graham to go to talk to him. He's Graham's psychiatrist. Did that look like a psychiatrist no, to no, you at all? No, there was no. There's no manipulation going on. Do they? Li- and I don't. I. You know, it, it's a two-hour movie. Do they at any point in the Manhunter script refer to him as Will Graham's actual practicing psychiatrist? Yes. When he's talking to his son in the grocery store, he tells him the story of Lecter. But see, it doesn't even matter because it's still in the source material. So the actor should know that. Well, but here's the thing. you uh, Your <laughs> obsession with the source material doesn't... I mean, uh, how many movies have you been in, Travis? If you go up to your director and say, well, hey, I was reading the novel, and this guy's a cannibal, and it rhymes okay, with fine. cannibal. And the, the director, director says, and the director says, oh, uh, we're not doing that because that's ridiculous and we okay, want this to be a hollywood fine. movie in 1986 fine then it's not the actor's fault it's the director's fault it's still bad yeah Whether and i'm not a huge michael man fan as i put out there yeah. but i like the way that he shoots this movie and it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like i don't know whose fault it was but this movie was not good <laughs> but even if the director said yeah we're not playing up the cannibal thing as an actor i would say are you playing up the psychology thing because the way I'm playing it, Are I sound to- like a mechanic. Well, yeah. but, okay, so you, we were talking about the Batman scene, right? And yeah. one of the reasons we talked about that they probably cut it from the movie was you'd spend the whole rest of the movie thinking, oh man, I got to know more yeah, about this absolutely. Joker guy. If you had a Hannibal Lecter firing on all cylinders less than a third of the way through the movie, you as an audience would look at that and go, man... This red dragon guy doesn't seem all that scary, but that guy in the jail cell is pretty scary. I sure would like to see more of him. And so it would it would take away from the red dragon guy, which... I don't think they were thinking that, but I, I hear what you're saying. But I mean, that's... The, I don't know that they would have seen the potential in the character at this point, because he's a, han, a, can, a cannibal named Hannibal. Uh, but that's another thing that... One of my concerns with the red dragon movie that we watched last week was this increased emphasis and spotlight for Hannibal takes away from not only the red dragon guy, but from Will. And I want it to be more of Will's story because the book is Will's story. The source material is Will's story. You're, you're probably, you're probably going to uh, edit this out, (laughs) but I'm going to play it. First of all, music terrible. It's 1986, man. You can't take things out of the decade. 
That's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court three years ago. Yeah, I keep getting it for Christmas. Did you get my car? I got it, thank you. And how is Officer Stewart? The one who was first to see my basement. Stewart's fine. Emotional problems out here. Do you have any problems, Will? Oh my god, it's so painful. See, and I think it's, I like it. I like the way that he is keeping it arm's length, Lecter. He's saying, Lecter, I'm just going to shut you down. You're baiting me in, and I'm just, up. Oh, I'm fine. You know? like It's not bombastic. I still like it better than Ed Norton's deliveries in Red Dragon. His very oddly casual, in the same scene, right? His, his discussion with Lecter, he's very, yeah. just like, I don't know, I'm just thinking it it's like what the f- that's not that's i feel like graham's making a choice you know william peterson's making a choice and it may not be a choice you like and it may be an amateur choice but at least it's not like incongruent with the rest of the scene it's just a choice that you don't like and the like, camera the angles are cool make, it's it's stand, yeah, the camera angles are good but it, it it basically stands out because they're both making that choice I don't know. I feel like Hannibal's, <laughs> yeah. Hannibal's making bigger choices than you're giving him credit for. I actually found this version of Hannibal to be a little bit more threatening to me than no the way. real Hannibal. Cause no the, way. The real Hannibal. The, Hopkins Hannibal. <laughs> Hopkins Hannibal, the thing about him is he's threatening in a way like, I'm worried if the lights went out, he would appear next to me in the train car. Like, in, is that Euro trip? Like, that's, yeah. that's the Miscuzzi, Anthony Hopkins. Miscuzzi. Like he's gonna he's gonna show up next to me and he's gonna have a knife and fork and be ready to go when the lights come back on and that's scary, but this lector I feel like if I turn my back he would take no hesitation to just gut me in a reach aroundy situation right like it's a different kind of threatening they're both threatening I don't want to be alone with either of them but you I don't know what I kept comparing it to and I know what you're talking about but I to me the difference is um. Falcone, Falcone mm-hmm. in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. That scene when Bruce goes in with the gun and he confronts him and he does, you know, the people fear what they don't understand. You know, that, mm-hmm. that scene. Like, get out. Like your parents, they begged. Like, I hear your mother begged. Like, just that, that yeah, he poked instigation. Beg. He poked beg. Yeah. Right? And it's like, he's like, you know, he was literally saying, fuck you, but he was yeah. saying, beg. Like, to me, beg. none of that happened in the scene, and it didn't have to be that direct. When, yeah, when when Lecter in this scene says, did you get my card? Will says, yes. They move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in you Red can't Dragon, just, you're taken away Dragon, from the says, delivery. We just heard it. Do they- he doesn't say, yes. I'm reading a cue card on Saturday Night Live, and he said, I'm a guest in red, in red Dragon, it's, did you get my card? And it's like, yes, thank you. And See, and that's just says, a different... It's, it's, it was very nice of the FBI, blah, 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 to deliver it to you. You know, I would have said it to your home address, but they won't give it to me. Right. Like... That is way more menacing because, like, it's like, oh, yeah, definitely don't give Lecter his home address. Right. Right. Duh. But, like, he's like, you know, because if I had your home address, you know, I would definitely get Use you it. killed. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And again, I can, I can have this complaint without Lecter. If, if, because if, that was what was being said in between the lines. Right. In 
Exactly. In um in Red Dragon. What am I saying and what am I really saying? To right. me, that's what Lecter's about. And it doesn't have to be grandioso. It's yep. still the character. There's a there's a great I wanna I wanna compare this to one of my favorite movies. There's a scene in um uh American Beauty. The scene where they're having dinner, the family mm-hmm. dinner. You know the scene where he freaks out and he throws the plate against the wall? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a YouTube video of Somebody was explaining good writing versus bad writing. Here's an example of how this could be written badly. And here is how they actually did it. And here's why it's amazing. I'll find that video so that you can mm-hmm. watch it and maybe link it and share it. But that's, that's what I think of when I think of scenes like the Lecter, uh, Will Graham scene in this movie is the examples of bad writing from right. that video. Yeah, I remember it's the same, again, it's Spacey, but it's like... But, and that scene is a very standoffish scene between Spacey and his wife and his kid. Like, everyone is short in that scene, and it works because of the way it's written. It's written well. And this just... If the script says silence, and during the silence you are fucking riveted, then the actor is doing their job. Yeah. Because all it says is silence. What is that actor doing? Like, I, you saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the scene where <laughs> Spacey's like, go to lunch. Go to lunch. He's just telling him, go to lunch. That's, all, that's the line. Mm-hmm. But he says it like nine or ten different ways to Jack Lemmon, and you feel horrible for Jack Lemmon because you know what go to lunch really means. Mm-hmm. The line is saying one thing. But the actor and the behavior of everybody in that scene is saying another. Just like uh, Alec Baldwin, he says, he's like, you know, uh, <laughs> what is it second that prize, says? Second prize is a set of steak knives. <sighs> he says. Uh, Means you're a loser. Fuck you. That's my name. Like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah. to me, it's like those kind of lines. It's like when written and then delivered, that's to me saying so much more he's like yeah like you said for, first prize is a cadillac second prize is a second st- is a set of steak that knives. means if you're a second you're a loser you're a loser but that's the line and you can deliver it any way you want so in to me if the character's written correctly and obviously lector is written correctly because it's in a book <laughs> and it's pretty layered even though it is only like one scene in the red dragon it's more because he's popular so they made more scenes for him but that jail scene is still written that way, and it should be, there should be some tension. And I didn't feel any of that. See, and, and, and I, problem... I feel the tension listening to that clip on YouTube and thinking about how unwilling to engage the Graham character is. You know, I mean, he's being like unnaturally short with his responses in a, it's an intentional delivery. I, then why is he there? Because he, he needs to he get the scent. To... Yes. He needs to get his scent back. He needs to but jazz who's, himself who's back Who's putting up. him the scent if he's avoiding everything? Yes. That's uh, the, that was my issue with it. Like, yes. He's going there to he be, can't be He didn't the even put guy. his nose in the thing, so I don't know how he got the scent. Exactly. <laughs> like, to me, you're going there to get back in the zone, right? Okay, That's so what it, that besides what the fact that you hate the dialogue in that scene, we need to talk about other aspects of the scene. Uh, first of all, did you notice the over-the-shoulder one-shots from Silence of the Lambs are present in Manhunter. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing because we give so much credit to Jonathan Demme 
when really when he's making Silence of the Lambs, he's taking the already established formula and using it again. That's he's interesting. Barney. Barney's in this movie. Barney's in this movie very briefly. <laughs> uh, I love guys. I know you didn't like the, the I don't, whatever. Michael Mann is not my favorite director, and most of his newer movies I I just do not love. But his camera work in this movie, his intentional security camera height, uh, swinging camera shots in the jail cell. Did you catch those? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's stylish as heck, and I really liked it, and I was happy to see it. See, I think you enjoyed it because it had that that I don't say it has the the aspects of a Jalo, but it has those artsy, you know, European kind of things in this movie. Every pit, that, every shot, every still shot in this film was intentional. And a lot of the you know, like the color choices and stuff which don't really fly in today's world, they've been replaced by blues and oranges in a lot of the action movies. You know, it's like a monochrome blue with a, you know, a hint of a sunrise. And then like all that stuff is he's putting so much effort into that. It might make the dialogue more of an afterthought than you guys prefer, given what you've seen from, you know, the great Brett Ratner. But I mean, these (laughs) are, I'm not a big fan of Red Dragon either. These are informed, intentional. I mean, some of these shots are paintings still life in it's just it some really inspired stuff here okay whatever really good my stuff. eyes my eyes are in the back of my head bro now i don't know uh, you're the student so uh, i don't know man like maybe just like listen and think about it for I a mean, day or two okay travis's <laughs> eyes are in the back of his no, head I, too. <laughs> i'm i'm sitting here thinking maybe i should go back and watch it on mute and see how beautiful it is because yeah. i was so I was so not feeling it because yeah. If I, you check I, out because of the dialogue delivery in the first scene, you may not catch no, the, the first. Fact I'm talking about the first hour, not the first scene. The first scene is what established it for me before Lecter, and then once the Lecter scene happened, I was like, "Wait, what's going on here? Why am I watching a high school play?" And then uh, the the music and the choices of of it just to me it was it it was not. Maybe it was supposed to be unsettling, but it wasn't unsettling, scary or creepy. It was just, it made me not want to watch. So I don't know visually. Like I know Halloween, every every shot is beautiful. It, it, they're all lobby cards. Every shot in that movie, but I didn't see hardly any of those in this movie, per se. Some of the shots were nice, like some of the wide angle shots on the beach and stuff they oh, were nice man. but and like the sunrise coming through the windows at the very end but none of that matters if the dialogue is terrible but see that's that's <laughs> where we disagree and i think that's probably our fundamental disagreement on the show is so much of what you look for is this one thing and you sometimes you just have to let these movies be what they are right like so you have to you have to compromise good acting to go on a journey of beautiful pictures like, some of these me, movies are punk movie. rock, man you're gonna have to give up your complex fifths and harmonies and you know you're not gonna see as many jazz chords sometimes these are just punk rock and but you're gonna hear, hear a guy clarinet screaming. squeaking every five seconds either like the difference between going to a jazz club in in nashville and there's a difference or, between uh, Louisiana going to a Louisiana uh, jazz club or going to a local high school play and listening to the Music Man and the clarinets going. Bah, 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 well, and see, the, it's funny you bring that up because the Hannibal Lecter of this movie would be too busy stalking, you know, 
the students of that high school picking them off one by one in horrible <laughs> groups. Because they're terrible. But he, in, <laughs> right. in Red Dragon, he would be the anti-hero picking the worst flautist in the group and cooking him for all the good musicians. Mm. Like, that's mm. pretty stupid. Can we acknowledge that that's stupid? I don't think I hammered no, it hard enough last time. It's not. It's stupid to make him a hero. He's a cannibal whose name is Hannibal. It's not stupid. It's too much flourish, I agree man. he should not be a hero, but to me that... I think he I'm on board sh- if the acting's good. I think he should be a hero. <laughs> I think it's a mistake at the end of Sounds of the Lambs for him to want to go after Chilton like that. Because I think you've switched him to anti-hero. And if you look at what they do in the Hannibal... And if you look at what they do in Red Dragon, because the thing about Red Dragon is it's a sequel prequel. So they're taking some of the things they've changed in the movies and making it consistent with the universe. And I think that's a mistake. I think I like my Hannibal more threatening. I like the first half of the movie Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs. And I like the Manhunter Hannibal. I think I want him. So you don't want him to give Clarice a pass? I don't think I do. Because that's basically what it is, because he does kill three goes, cops by ripping goes, their skin yeah, off. Yeah, he goes after people that are that he finds unpleasant. See, and I don't like that. You know? I don't think I like that. I don't think that's... I don't know. There, it's the difference between a dangerous, raving lunatic and a sociopath, psychopath with, like, a code. I don't but know if I want But is that something that was ever established? Does he... Because ha- as far as I know, he's indiscriminatory when he kill somebody right and well and i think as it goes it becomes it, no in silence in like, silence, silence he who does he kill in yeah no well you're the one who read the books what did well, they I haven't ever read the books establish in 20 years uh okay so but i'm trying to see how they really establish who he was and why he did what he did is it random is it like a strange version of vigilantism that George I is think talking about as it gets to sounds of the lambs if i remember right the movie starts to establish it more as yeah, kind of a like a a mixed up like moral codeless vigilanteism. And by Hannibal, uh it's worse. And by well, Red Dragon movie. I don't know, Hannibal's an okay movie. It's better than I remembered the last time I watched it, but it's still not great. Um but then I mean, Red Gary Dragon Oldman's by by the time you get to Red it, Dragon, he's killing the flotus because he's a bad flotus and he's feeding him to the good musicians. And that's like, but is he killing him because he's a bad flautist, or is he killing him because he ruined his experience at the orchestra? Because he's a bad flautist. See, I it's, took it as more. It was like his. It was his punishment for ruining yes. Lecter's enjoyment. Well, well, of that yes, music. It, yes. It was the this. How dare you? This would be more beautiful <laughs> if you, you weren't were in food. It. <laughs> is what it was. That's how I took it. That's I how I took it. Yeah, I this and I hate experience. that. I don't like that. That's not what I want. <laughs> no, I don't want him God. to have that but much control. But that makes control. him malicious. That doesn't so make him a good. hero. That makes know. him a douche. I didn't like, like it. He just killed this guy because he ruined the song. He's too much Fraser with a. He's Fraser with a butcher knife at that point. I don't. Yes. Frazier to be my Love guy. It. So no, it's not a butcher knife. It's it's all kinds of beautiful mm. knives, and he's filleting things perfectly. Um, <laughs> he's Bobby Flay. He's doing yes. He's doing eat, like, eat Bobby Flay. Not not only <laughs> is he a world class psychiatrist and uh, and and let's say uh, orchestra critic. He's yes. also a world class chef. chef. Right. He can make anything. Tastes good, as we know. Including Ray Liotta's brain. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so Manhunter comes out in 86. Uh, we've never seen Hannibal the Cannibal uh, in film to this point. Uh, the description of him in the books 
uh, and I have to I I have to preface this because I found it online and I can't tell you which book it's pulling from, but it basically describes Dracula, right? Uh, yeah, I don't even want to read it because it's so lame. Lecter's eyes were a shade of maroon Dra- and reflected the lights in pinpoints of red. He had small white teeth and dark slicked back hair with a widow's peak. Uh, because widow's peaks are more menacing or because they look like 1930s Dracula. I don't know. Dracula, yeah. But here's the thing. Uh, they didn't give him a widow's peak, thank God. Uh, I'm going to send you a couple of pictures from a movie that came out probably three years before they made uh, this movie. And what I would argue is probably a visual reference for the Hannibal of this movie. So I sent that to our little chat. Mm-hmm. Who's that? That is uh, familiar. That is Bob Geldof in the movie The Wall. Pink Floyd's The Wall from okay. 1982. Um, if he still had his eyebrows in the first shot, that's pretty much Lecter's cell even. Mm. And the hair and the attitude, right? Like when Lecter pops up and kind of lurches toward the camera the first time, all I could see was Bob Geldof's pink, which is the character from the movie. So I pause the movie the act- and I say to my wife, I say, you remember The Wall? They might be referencing that look. And so I pull up the picture and she's like, well, yeah, I mean, it does kind of look like him. But see, the acting in this photo is better than the acting in the movie. Well, like, but- I'm, look- I'm looking at his expression <laughs> and that expression is telling me way more than, than Brian Cox told me the entire four minutes. But we know Brian Cox is a great actor. And so you have to, you have to wonder, like, is that a Michael Mann... Like he's too worried about the angle of the camera and he needs to like talk to the actors a little bit. Maybe it is. I don't well, it's know. The, it's the Lucas theory. It's the George Lucas theory. The guy directed certain movies really well, but was not a good director of actors. So you get really bad performances that probably could have been good. Sometimes you get Oscar award winning actresses and or actors in a Lucas film and all of a sudden it's like a Schumacher film because it's like how does somebody who has like two Oscar nominations deliver such a terrible performance but because a like couple of years later he does about the angles and I, I'm not a huge Heat fan but I, I like it plenty uh, would you argue that the acting in Heat is like not informed by the director I mean I know there's that part with the or whatever from Pacino <laughs> but like most of the acting in <laughs> Heat is, is pretty good right character development's good like I mean, does Michael I mean, Mann in 10 years go from totally incapable of directing his actors to totally good at directing his actors? Or are they doing exactly I, what he asked them to do and they're doing what he wants them to do and he wants them to do this and this just isn't what you wanted? Or the budget and the casting director went after yeah. A list actors. Like, if you can afford Tom Sizemore from the heat era and put him in Manhunter as Will Graham, I'm all, I'm on board. And I like a Harvey Graham. Keitel, I fine, but maybe I'm you just get a Harvey Keitel to play. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Dan, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, maybe, uh, maybe you're right. And Travis is wrong. And the reason why the movie sucked is the director. <laughs> and as long as we agree that, for whatever reason that the movie sucked, <laughs> then we're then we can be friends. 
I think it is. A, you <laughs> I know, think whether this movie it's is act- a curiosity. I wouldn't say it sucks. I would say it's probably not <laughs> successful in all of its endeavors, right? Like there's some real shortcomings in this movie. Uh, yeah. The, the pacing from them meeting Dollar Hyde and Reba to her petting that large cat, there's very little explanation. They no, do a much yeah, better exactly. job in Red Dragon with that particular part. Yes. But mm-hmm. when you have 20 yep. years of notes on a yeah. movie, mm. I mean, that's, that's the... I think Jonathan Demme did it way better. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, so did the, so did the Oscar Academy. But um, you don't, I don't know that you get... I don't know that you get Sons of Lambs maybe, without this movie. Dan, maybe the actors, and Travis, maybe the actors had disadvantages. Uh, hey, so it's pretty <laughs> wild that like there's a potential that Pink Floyd might have somehow influenced the look of of Hannibal Lecter in this Lecter movie. Cell. And Lecter and Lecter Cell. And Lecter in Sounds of the Lambs. Remember, he has that same slicked back hair and the same outfit. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. kind of fun to think that maybe Pink Floyd somehow re- like influenced how the movie that won an Oscar made there Hannibal Lecter. But you can say Dan. That's kind of a stretch. I mean, yeah, it's the same era, you know, but there's a lot of people with slicked back hair. You've already mentioned Dracula, right? Mm. There is a point in this movie, guys, where euphoric, generic 80s music kicks on. And let me see. I put a note on here so that I would remind you when it was. Maybe I put a note on here. Maybe I didn't. Wouldn't that be funny if I forgot to mark what scene it was? Oh, there it is. Okay, so it's when he's about to have his big revelation. Oh, guys, the padlock scene, which, by the way, they didn't let me play along. That's a mark against this movie. I liked it better yeah, in the Ratner yeah. movie. But the music, did. do you remember the music from that scene? I, there's no way I'm going to be able to access it in the next five minutes so that you can hear it. But We had it up. Yeah, skip to that scene real quick. I want you to hear that music because I'm going to put it in the context that's going to blow your mind or you're not going to give a fuck. <laughs> One of the other. Well, 80s music in general is... Mm-hmm. What scene were you talking about? So it's when he's the watching the video scene. and he realizes he's seen these particular videos. So it's before they pull his driver's license picture because that was my next note. And you'll know it. I mean, they don't, they're not, they don't play it subtle with the music in this scene. Oh no! I remember it kicking right in. I think it's when he says, "Pull the label off," something like that. See, in this entire time in Red Dragon, you had you had Hopkins saying, "You look, but you didn't see." Mm. Yeah, but that presupposes that Lecter like knew. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like that. I don't know. There is music at some point. <laughs> There's music playing right now. Oh, I can't hear it through the thing. So, uh, it's synthy. Dude, you know what it sounds like? What? It sounds like the chorus to Comfortably Horses. Numb. Oh. Sounds like a song from Think about the Lambs that he's that, dancing to. Well, yeah, and, and maybe, you know. Yeah, it sounds like, horses. It sounds like Goodbye Horses, yeah. <laughs> but it, listen to the chord structure. It's a bunch of major chords. It is... <laughs> Euphoric, it is the chorus to no, comfortably I hear numb, it but now. generic. Isn't that funny? I hear it now, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's the same arpeggio the as comfortably numb, yeah. guys. It sounds like the music that's usually played in an 80s, like, uh, what do you call it, a John Hughes movie when they're come to their conclusion. Well, <laughs> that's it's very the thing, comfortably <laughs> numb, though. That's the thing, is it's resolution, right? The, the minor scale 
uh, versus juxtaposed against these major scales, euphoric, drug-like, arpeggio, overdone, too much synth. I mean, that's comfortably numb. And this is comfortably numb. And so I'm, when I heard that, I was like, guys, I, I think that might have been an intentional pink reference with the design mm-hmm. of Hannibal Lecter, which carries on through the next movies. Guys, Pink Floyd in this movie. Let's, uh, did you notice, I don't know if I was going insane, was Chris Elliott in this movie? Chris Elliott's in this movie for no reason. <laughs> on one I scene. I saw him sitting at the table. I'm like, is that Chris Elliott? He is doesn't even do anything. Yeah. He's not funny. He it. says like one line. And again, yeah. I yeah, Chris Elliott, why yeah. are you here? I'm like, it's Woogie. Ooh, and... how about the creepy, comf- or the, the creepy total eclipse of the heart moment where you see the dreams with the no eyes and the glowing? Yeah. That's very yeah. total eclipse. Oh, is that heart. when he wakes up on the airplane? The little girl's like, uh, no, that's when. No, that's an awesome scene crime though. Crime pictures out because he's having like a nice dream, just a, like a an escape dream. Of his, yeah, of his wife. I and think, he's drugged sure. back to reality by a screaming child who just saw the naked lady get murdered and glass shoved in her yeah. eyes. I tried. That's to a look good it scene, up, but I I couldn't figure it out. I thought one of the people in this movie, he might be a cop in this movie, sounded and looked exactly like the guy from Silence of the Lambs that was like, that's that's Jim Pembry, now talk to him. You know, the guy with the mustache, the 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 the, the cheap Sam Elliott. <laughs> I'm like looking at him, I'm like, is, did they go and they just basically recasted this movie when they made Silence because Barney's in there? Well, Barney, and... I think, is a character in the book, so it would make sense. Uh, but yeah, the Sam, Sam Elliott guy, the only cop I remember with the mustache in this movie is the really bad actor who comes to the house to check on Will's yeah, family. Best if you come with me. Yeah, he was not a good me. actor. He, he or struck no, just me go as back like, inside. just go inside. Maybe the police, like uh, technical advisor got a favor and got to be the policeman. Cause they figured you're a policeman. You do this all the time. You'll be a great actor as a policeman. And instead he was just like, <laughs> ma'am, you got to. Uh, ma'am, uh, ma'am, it's would the, you get it, back inside, please? It's like, the opposite oh. of uh, of uh, er, was it early? Yeah, Ermy. <laughs> it's like let's let's have him play the drill sergeant, train our drill sergeant, and then the, as he's helping out, they're like, you know what? Do you want the part? Yeah, you're <laughs> more you're fun really than the other it. guy. So yeah, yeah, the guy you're training isn't getting it, and you're really good at it. So do you want to play the drill sergeant? <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> so. Pink Floyd it's is in this my movie. Desk. Michael Myers is in this movie. I love this movie. It's great. Uh, one thing that really puzzles me, This isn't even guys, my desk. <laughs> this isn't even my desk. Such a good line. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Dad. Did you, uh, did you guys notice that we never see the tattoo? They've no. excised yeah. the tattoo from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, the reason I bring that up... Cost-wise. No, two, here's the funny thing. Uh, well, there's a bunch of funny things about the tattoo in this movie. But one, mm. did you notice when he gets shot at the end, he gets dragon wings? When he lands on mm. the ground? Yes, the puddle of blood yes. becomes two dragon wings. That's pretty cool. And we noticed it was not 3M blood because it was really, really dark. And well, Travis, Travis, lol. Travis liked the blood, and I thought it could have been darker, but... He made a good point. It was against like white a white floor and very so. very well lit. So well, and he never went out in the moonlight to experience it on his nude body oh. or whatever. Then it would have looked really black, according to Hannibal in both movies. 
Here's the thing. The cover of my movie, I've got the, this is the English release because the the American release of this right now is like a hundred bucks on Blu-ray. Really? Because it's out of print. So I, 15 bucks on Amazon. I got a British one. Um, It's a picture of him with the half uh, pantyhose on his head and the fucking tattoo. Mm. And so when I finished the movie last night, I was like, Hey, did, did we ever see, I don't think what there was no guys. There wasn't a, Turns out they shot scenes with the tattoo and with the shirt on and intentionally just went with the shirt because it was more grounded. Hmm. So that's interesting. I didn't know that until today when I was like, he's on the cover of my movie with a tattoo and I don't remember it in the movie. But yeah, there's still shots. There's like promotional images of him with the tattoo in some of the scenes that we saw him in without the tattoo. It's very weird and interesting, but I think it just goes back to there. We're trying to keep this grounded in a world of Michael Myers coming back after so many years and with Jason's a zombie and Freddy's a nightmare guy. And we're trying to do like a grounded version of this. They're trying to do a Jalo serial killer that can die wearing yeah. a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. We needed a motorcycle helmet. That would have made this movie better. <laughs> so, um, so Dan, uh, I think I know what your opinion is going to be, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, when Dollar Hyde gets shot, uh, six times, uh, <laughs> shot him six times. Um, actually, I don't. I didn't count. But um, there's multiple times in that scene when the when you can tell that it's chopped. Yeah, it's super like it's, jumpy. There's there's seams. Right. Okay. So was that done on purpose, or was that done because they were just using the best blood splatter parts and <clears throat> trying to splice it together as best they could? Yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. On all I mean, that's the yeah. thing, okay. right? Like the the weird jump when he's sitting <laughs> by himself in the hotel room and he's talking to himself and it does a little blip and it feels like the ring video a little bit, just blip. Yeah. I think there's a good chance that there was more dialogue there, monologue, more monologue there. And they decided, you know, we're going to trim the fat. We're going to get rid of some of this. And then when they did it and they looked at it, they went, oh, that's cool. We're just going to leave it like that. You know, same thing at the end. I have a feeling they probably did intentionally trim it for pacing, right? But there's other ways you can get pacing. If you guys, I don't know if we talked about it, but Jason Goes to Hell is framed at like 23 frames per second or 22 frames per second. It should be zero frames per second. So it speeds up a little bit (laughs) because Sean Cunningham supposedly felt like producing that movie that the actors were moving too slow and and just too deliberately. So if you speed it up Mm. a little bit, it looks more natural. So they're, I, what I'm saying is they could have sped it up. They could have done other tricks. They could have reshot it. And Chainsaw. instead, when they Didn't get they to that point. Like, I brought it up. I brought it up. Yeah, Chainsaw removed like two or three frames before every kill to yeah. make the kill more of a, all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I yeah. think there's an intentional, you know, whether that was their ideal, you know, whether they set out at the beginning to be like, yeah, we're going to chop it up. It's going to look weird. I think when they got to the point that they were fiddling around with that scene, they came to that conclusion that, yeah, this is off, off putting and weird and we're going to so leave how it. many, how many frames per second was this one? This would have been 24. I mean, this is like your standard 24 P movie. Okay. So if you take 24 times 60 times 122, which is the runtime in seconds, 
that means that this was 175,680 frames. I think, if I did the math correctly. Movie math with George. <laughs> too many. <laughs> what is this? It's 175,000 frames too many. <laughs> oh, God. But they made comfortably uh, numb when he found the video. That's why I left the, the 675 frames in, at the end. Nice. And the driver's license picture looks like Michael Myers. Good job, my wife. She pointed that out, and she was right. I don't know. We have a a, a fondness for this movie because she's from St. Louis, and I used to live outside of St. Louis. So when they start showing like the the local uh, cops and stuff, I'm just like, yeah, man, I remember that air. I remember that exit. I seventy. Woo! It's like our affiliation <laughs> with Rocky. Exactly. It's just uh, yeah. Had to get the news chopper out <laughs> and talk about I seventy on the way to Kansas City. He's got a lot of traffic this time of night. What was that other movie that was in Philly that Dan didn't like because it was a comedy? Twelve Monkeys. Because it was funny. No, 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 no. Oh. The comedy that was funny. Oh, Trading Places. Yeah. Yeah. I we don't discuss the fact that he didn't like Trading Places. Trading Places was fine. Yeah. No, it was our- But that's uh, how I felt. I was like, oh, this It was is... our special guest that didn't like it. <laughs> of that episode. Blake. Any special guest for that episode? Blake. Balake. Oh, that was the, that was the Blake episode? <laughs> that was the Blake yeah. episode. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. We got to get him back yeah, on with the movie now. he likes. That would be good. Yeah. And Richard again. I, I promise not to be so... Uh... <laughs> Belligerent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As this. Unless the movie's this bad, then I'll, no promises. Go back and oh. watch uh, some of the scenes in on mute. Travis just even watch him on like <laughs> watch him on like two two or three two or three x just the beach scene any of the scenes in the beach house where it's him and his wife right at the beginning and everything is just this weird lush 80s blue these are beautiful shots these but are see, designed that doing shots. anything for me I don't watch movies to be like ooh uh, I watch movies to be intrigued and uh, and entertained by and and look at technique and and yeah, visually, s- techniques from the filmmaker, cinematographer is pretty cool. Texas Chainsaw, even the remake had some really cool, like, wide shots that were beautiful. The Shining. The Shining. That's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, you know. No seams in that movie. That's why he purposely had things removed and the drywall patched and painted mm-hmm. j- for no reason. Just. Yeah. Let's move that entire thing. Yeah, that was not done on purpose. Not at all. Paint it, and then let's relight the scene. (laughs) Right. No reason. No, I'm thinking of the cameras, like uh, the scene when uh, Jack is kind of like stalking uh, Wendy across Mm. the room and up the stairs. It's like all one take. It's fucking so good. Wendy. Darling, darling, light of my life. Even the still shot at the beginning of Halloween. That's They're a Dean Cundy. Shot, the steady, steady camera. The thing about yeah. that, and I don't know but, if we talked about it at the time because I hadn't seen this movie yet. Uh, everybody gives John Carpenter a lot of credit for that opening shot in Halloween. And it's great. Great job, John, for directing that movie. But <laughs> last year, during the summer, I was watching a movie called The... Oh, God, the witch who came from the sea or something like that. You guys would not enjoy this movie. 
No, uh, sounds not. awesome. How's the acting in that? It's really interesting. The Witch Who Came from the Sea from They're 1976. They're very grounded. <laughs> it's a very grounded movie. <laughs> One of the reasons I watched it was because it was shot by Dean Cundey, and it has a lot of those really interesting long steady cam shots mm. that look like the Halloween opening. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So it, it was well, a collaboration. I think and he doesn't was... get any credit for that. It was established in most of the documentaries and or interviews that I've watched where I think they did say it was a collaboration even back then to do that opening shot. Good. He, Dean Cundy deserves some credit. I mean, now he's obviously shooting Disney TV shows, so he's, he's, doing, he's doing fine. So he's made it. He's doing the thing. <laughs> right. his, his parents are proud. <laughs> his parents are proud. He, uh... Yeah, because didn't he shoot some of the the Boba Fett show? I think the first or second episode yeah, was him. I think so. Yeah. So you know that's it's pretty good. Or the Mandalorian. It oh, when the you Boba said Fett. Disney shows, I thought you meant like Hannah Montana. Oh no, no, no! no. I mean like, like top no. tier the real Disney shows. Star the real shows. Are, the ones the that are ones. mini movies. The, yeah. The, or okay. Long movies. Never mind. I was yeah, I was totally sarcastic about that. Yeah. Like oh great, he's they're about to know. release the Obi Wan show which is supposed to be really good. Now, before we wrap up here and tell George what he's watching next week, I do have one correction and one apology to Brett Radner. <laughs> oh. Last week. Who's Brett Radner? Oh the director god. of Red, Red Dragon. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, last week I complained about how... He was Mark Antony. The dialogue in Red Dragon <laughs> was... Too much of a rehash, a retread of what worked in Silence of the Lambs. And one of the things I pointed to, besides the one-shot camera angles, which it turns out weren't from Silence of the Lambs, they were actually from from, Manhunter. The other thing I pointed out was the use of the uh, bottle with a ship on it line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, like it worked fine in Silence of the Lambs. We don't need to do that again. We don't need to rote. Bring that back for Red Dragon. It's in this. It's in this. Guys, it's a retread in Silence of the Lambs. Yes. What? But you know, but it works in Silence <laughs> of the so Lambs. That's so meta. It works better <laughs> in Silence of the Lambs than it does here. Yeah. But it like it doesn't hurt here. Right? It's fine. It's better. It's a better insight in Silence of the Lambs than it is here. Here it's just whatever. It's better delivered. The line is better delivered. Well, sure. The oh, line I was is gonna say, I was gonna say, it's fine in Silence of the Lambs because nobody watched this movie. Well, and not a lot <laughs> of people never... did watch this movie at the time, and it didn't make the big splash that uh, like, obviously I, Silence I feel like did. Brian Cox would be like, um, "You wear Avon, Avon skin cream, but not today." <laughs> no, his deliveries are better than that. Than you, because we just listened to him. His deliveries are a little bigger than that. What would happen though is Will Graham would be like, "Yes." <laughs> but again, that's an intentional choice that you guys just don't like, and that's fine. Uh, they're not incompetent actors in this movie. They're just doing a thing that they're not doing it how you would have done it. They're right. talking to each other like they're on a bus and they don't like each other, versus being, you we know, covet. what do we cover? We cover what we see every day. We cover what we see every day, <laughs> dude. And it doesn't make sense that Hannibal would know that Will had seen but not seen yet, or you've looked but not seen in Red Dragon, because what that would assume is that Hannibal Lecter deduced 
that Dollarhide was picking his victims from his job at a video processing store and the FBI has those videos and the FBI has the boxes to those videos to be able to connect them to the processing plant. And that is a whole lot of toilet paper. That is a lot of toilet paper. You're you know right. what line just popped in my head that reminds me of the, our discussion? What? Again, that back and forth between Batman and Joker. When he says, uh, you have pictures. Mm-hmm. And he says, you think I get off on this? Right? Is mm-hmm. that what he says? You think I get off on right. this? Yep. I don't remember, but I'll, I and trust you. And then Batman just says, don't you? <laughs> But he says, like, basically saying, well, don't you? In that attitude, but he doesn't because he can't do that because he's fucking Batman. Right. (laughs) He's not sarcastic. But he says, don't you? But you hear that in his very bland, monotone delivery. Yeah. Completely, I feel all the levels of what he's saying to him. Yeah. You're a fucking nut, and you do, so shut your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Yeah, but I mean, he could do it bigger. You know, he doesn't but he's have choosing to. He not have to, to do it bigger. I don't know. Right. I, the thing for me in that scene, the, the Batman cutscene, I think the Joker's putting a little too much on it. Just a little too much. And so, yeah, he's, I think, again, that's the director saying, you know, take, take what worked, but, you know, make it creepier. When we see him that's in the next did. movie, he won't be so exactly like no. this. No, he won't. It was too much. It was just too much. Like we, I'm glad they cut it because it didn't distract us. But I'm also kind of glad they cut it because it was a little too much for nah, this movie. It. Unlike the Riddler, who's just like, "Hey guys, thanks for the subscriptions. It really means a lot when you hit me up on that cash app." <laughs> like, <laughs> so good, and it's not going to age well. But see, you loved. You loved uh, Paul Dano, and there's nothing more Nicolas Cage, Anthony Hopkins, than going, Bruce Wayne. I don't know. That part's wild. I don't know if I like that. It was wild. (laughs) It's good because it manipulated me, but I don't know if in a couple of years I'm going to like that reading at all. I'm going to think, oh my God, why is he (laughs) saying it like that? Like... When I can't distance myself from the experience anymore, and I'm just like, well, I know he's not talking about... Batman being Bruce Wayne, why is he saying it like that? He should be saying I've it seen differently. I've seen it three times. It, it still works. He should be saying it like Bruce Wayne, you know, like frustrated, like, ah, we, he got away, we'll get him, but he got away. And instead, he's just saying it weird to be weird. I don't know. Mm. We'll see how that lasts for me. But <laughs> Hey, what are we watching next week? You tend to man? like things, then hate it, and then like it. And like, I'll try it again in two years, see if I like it. Yeah, you know, because I, I think I acknowledge that our own biases when we go in and watch these movies, our own bias at that moment really is a lens through which we view these films. So Unless when I'm my cousin Vinny, then it's always good. When I'm 13 and I watch Manhunter for the first time, I'm disappointed that there's no boobs in it. <laughs> and uh, it's fine, but it's like 80s is all get out. But then as I get older and I look at Red Dragon, I think, oh, man, this movie could have been good, but there's certain things I don't like. And then I go back and look at this and I go, man. And there's no boobs in it. We had most of <laughs> what I wanted from Red Dragon and Manhunter already. And the stuff they added, I don't think that's the stuff I wanted. So they're both mm. equidistant from the movie I really want, which is the Red Dragon book as a movie. Mm. Word. Yeah. So what are we watching next week? Well, I think we're going to keep the theme of um, music and 
footlongs. No. Uh, we're going to watch a movie. Uh, I'm not sure if George knows what it is, but he probably will. We're going to watch Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Have you ever heard of Boogie Nights, George? Boogie Nights. I have heard of Boogie Nights. What have you heard? Uh, that it's a movie. Mm. Just it's now. Insightful. No. I Yeah, Boogie Nights. It's a, it's a movie. It's a classic. It's a classic. It is definitely a classic. Yeah. Definitely a movie that I should have seen. Yes. Probably. It's, it's definitely a movie that is better than this. <laughs> and it's not in Arguably this... so. Yeah. But it, is it in this genre? I don't know. We'll have to see. What What do you think Boogie Nights is, George? Oh, dude, I couldn't tell you, bro. It's about picking noses. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about Hey-o. like dancing. Like, you know, like boogieing. Boogie woogie. Hmm. I don't know. Lots of bugle boys. In this company. Yep. Hmm. And picking noses, too. Interesting. Okay. Well, I look forward to uh, to hearing what you think. I, I like that you've given up <laughs> on conjecture after the Hellraiser incident of 2020. Conjecture? Oh, yeah, true. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at remedialfilmpod. And hey, if you're feeling old school, like it's the 70s or something, you can email us remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with the movie Boogie Nights.